Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akena. She is a transformational coach and speaker. Hello, everyone. It's another episode of the Iconic Womanhood podcast. And today, I'm going to be speaking to you about storytelling. You know, when I was growing up, I used to have this show that I loved watching. It was called Tales by Moonlight. Anyone who grew up in my era in Nigeria can probably remember this. It was a show that kind of pulled together one of the old traditions. It's not seen as much anymore because of urbanization, but in the old days in the villages, it was very common for the local storyteller, the griot, to call out to the children and they would all gather and sit around him and adults would be at the edges and him or her, and they would tell a story. And the story would be a powerful tool of entertainment, but also of knowledge transfer. And so there were often stories. And he would start out, or she would start out saying, story, story, and all the children would respond, story. And I remember watching those shows, and and also I remember, you know, just the way stories have always played such a big role in my life. I've, I'm a huge reader. I love to read. And I remember just all the books. <laughs> I have so many books, so many novels. When I first started reading, it was just novels and novels. And in fact, uh, that is the, the primary source of knowledge gathering right, initially. And now I read a lot more for uh, just ed- education and learning more about my work, but no- novels, stories, stories are powerful and they're so critical. So today I really want to talk about the power of stories and the kinds of stories that we need to be telling. So this is a two-part episode. This particular episode, I'm going to talk about the dangers of the wrong stories. And the next episode, I'm going to talk about the actual kind of stories that we need to be telling that can move you forward powerfully in life. So first, let me just give a caveat, give you fair warning. This is such a truth for me because I talk about, and one of the things that I teach, if you've you've gone through my trainings, uh, in particular, the, the training that I'm doing now, one of the the major things is really self-awareness and self-discovery. And so in that, one of the tools that we use is you discovering your feminine leadership archetype. And that archetype helps you understand one of the ways that you were created in this world to show up and be an amazing leader. And so for me, one of the ways that I was created, my archetype is as a griot as a wise woman, as a person who tells stories and transfers wisdom. So I, this whole thing that I'm talking about today really deeply resonates with me. So if I seem a little 
giddy or excited, that's what's going on. It deeply resonates with me when you understand what you are. Some of the other archetypes that people I know have discovered that has been awakening for them where some are queens, some are midwives, some are, you know, there's just so many. So I wish I could give it all to you here, but this is why it's such a worthwhile thing to invest in yourself, to begin to understand who you are, how you were created to show up, how you show up at your best. Because the minute I had that awareness that, oh, yes, of course, I come into this world as a feminine leader, like a griot, then it changed the way I showed up. It added so much value to my work and my business. So stories became infused into the work that I was trying to do. Because initially, when I was trying to do it, I was just trying to go based on all the knowledge I had acquired, right? So you've gone you've gone to school, you've gotten certified, you have all of this knowledge, you're certified certified in social and emotional intelligence. You've gone back and done organizational and change leadership and you're bringing all of this very uh, important technical knowledge, but it's dry because you're not in your truth. But the minute I fuse I infuse stories into it and in everything that I'm doing, which is my natural way of showing up, Boom, it was like there was an explosion. I became a sought-after speaker because after they hear you speak, they're like, oh, you need to come to our organization because you're telling those stories. And, and I had such ease and flow. And this is the difference between someone who's bringing head knowledge and a woman who is an iconic leader. So can you say it with me? Story, story, and then now you respond, story. Let's talk about the right kind of stories, and the wrong kind of stories. Stories are an amazing tool, as I said. If you look at any of the ancient cultures, you will see how stories have been necessary to move the country and the culture forward, but also to keep the culture anchored in truths that they don't want to lose, anchored in traditions. The stories have also been used as a tool of indoctrination. They have been used to spread rumors and lies to keep people in bondage. Historically, stories can also be very dangerous. So today I want to talk about the dangers of the wrong kind of stories. The first person who tells stories, really, in our lives is ourselves. We actually spend a lot of time telling ourselves stories. And those stories either move us forward or they keep us stuck. So today I want to talk to you about an awareness of what kind of story you have been telling yourself. And then the second thing I want to talk about is what kinds of stories are you allowing to permeate and fill up your whole life and the impact that's having on you so that you can make an informed decision about how you want to go forward. So the first kind of story that I'd like you to consider is a story that is rooted in assumptions. Before I tell you about that story, let me tell you about assumptions. And from this particular place, there is a book that I 
think is really great reading, but even if you don't read the book, literally, if you pick this up, these four agreements that I'm going to talk about today and begin to utilize it and implement it, it will change your life. And so the four agreements are a book by Don Miguel Ruiz. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe to every single thing in the book because it's not the gospel, but these four agreements are so life-changing. If you begin to live your life according to this, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) I, I warned you. I warned you. I might get giddy. So let me tell you the four agreements. The first one is always do your best. The second is be impeccable with your word. And the third is don't assume, don't make assumptions. And the fourth is don't take things personally. And I didn't put those in the right order, perhaps, but these are the four agreements, a snapshot of them. If you can put this into play in your life where you are always showing up doing your best, where you are not taking things personally, where you are not making assumptions and where you are very careful about what comes out of your mouth and being impeccable with your word, oh, M-G, it will change your life. You will begin to see shifts in your life just with that simple decision to look at life through a different lens and act differently. I promise you. Put it into place this week. Let me know. Let me know. Tell me. Well, I tried it and this is what happened. So the story that I'm going to talk about really comes from this place of assumptions. That for, that agreement that says don't make assumptions is so important. And you've heard this before, right? You've heard it. Even the children have those saying, when you make assumptions, you make a, ah, uh, aha, uh-huh. you get it, yeah? Don't make assumptions. We know this, we say this all the time, but we live by assumptions. We constantly do that. And we create stories in our heads. So, Let's give a practical example. Something happens, right? Something happens. Maybe a friend is having a party and she doesn't invite you, or she kind of drops the ball on something, or whatever it is, right? These basic things that happen all the time in our lives. But instead of maybe asking and, and inquiring and, and, and getting the facts, we then make some assumptions. And we make these assumptions in our headspace and we fill it up, all the spaces around the words. We add more, as we say, we add salt and pepper to make it sweet in our heads and we then come and tell a story. And so the friend that drops the ball, it's not because she just dropped the ball and maybe things happen, it's because she really doesn't want you to succeed. The friend that didn't invite you, it's not that maybe per head or she had to invite some other people because of something else in her family. Who knows what it is? It's that, oh, she doesn't like you. And in fact, depending on your wounding, depending on your core beliefs, depending on what you carry inside of you, then that may trigger some negative fears and hidden core beliefs that you may have that will say, oh yeah, not only does she not like me, everyone doesn't like me. I'm unlikable. And then this 
one thing that happened becomes a source of pain. And the thing about storytelling is that we like to tell them over and over again. So it's not just the facts anymore. We've embellished it in our heads. We've created a story. We've added some seasoning. We've added some, you know, descriptive statements in there. And then we have created this story. And the story causes us to make decisions that may sometimes be detrimental. The story causes us to create drama in our lives. The story causes us to get stuck and it causes us to act poorly. Because when you're telling the story, the more you tell the story in your head, it actually causes an emotional reaction in your body. Whether the story is 100% true or not, you tend to believe it's true. You start to feel it, right? And the more you feel it, because the body holds your wisdom as well, you start to think, oh, it's true. It starts to, you know, create a reaction in you. And then you take action based on that reaction. And a lot of times that action will take you to a negative place. What we should be doing instead is inquiring. When something happens and you don't understand where it comes from, you don't understand the motivation, you don't understand the intention, all you know is that the impact felt negative to you, then yes, acknowledge that the impact felt negative to you, but seek information about the intention, about what was going on. Instead of telling yourself a story, ask questions, proceed upon inquiry. Ask that person something. Oh, you know, I have to be honest with you. I heard that you were having this, and I don't know why you didn't invite me, but I felt quite slighted. I felt a little hurt. And if it's somebody that genuinely cares, they might say, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. This is what happened. Da, 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 da. And it gives you an opportunity to clear it up and clean it up and move on with your life rather than telling yourself a story that gets stuck, lodged in your throat like some sort of, you know, food that didn't get digested or pebble digested or pebble in your shoes. That's what a lot of us actually do. We don't ask the questions. We don't ask for more knowledge. We tell ourselves a story that isn't even necessarily true, but it feels true. And then we then become passive aggressive as a result. We become nice, nasty. We hold resentment inside, hold victimness inside, and it changes us like radiation. And we don't even realize we're changing. Imagine you're walking around with all these little pebbles in your shoes. If nothing else, it makes for a very uncomfortable life. So right now, I want you to ask yourself if there are any stories that you have created in your head that are coming from assumptions and challenge those assumptions. Seek knowledge, inquire, ask, rather than make those assumptions and then hold them in you as a kind of truth. It's time to let go of those stories that may not be rooted in any truth. Are you ready? The second kind of story that I want to talk about today that is really damaging are stories that come from inference. 
And what is inference? There's a law of inference. Inference is when we infer. It's a kind of assumption, right? It actually is assumption, but I want to talk about it in a different way because of this law of inference. So the law of inference is just something that reflects what we as human beings tend to do. That once we have told ourselves a story about a certain situation, then we will ignore any data that doesn't support the story. And in fact, sometimes we will see things that aren't really there to support the story that we have told ourselves in our heads, which is why sometimes even scientific experiments, depending on how they're done, studies, things like that can be skewed by our bias. So if we are not aware of the story, which is another reason why unconscious bias is so important, because if someone has told themselves a story about a certain demographic, it colors the way they see your work. Let me give you an example, actually. I remember this actually happened to me. And I remember when I was working years ago uh, as a pharmacist, I remember beginning beginning to feel the stretch after I had had my daughter and, you know, I worked very, very long hours. I would be gone. I worked 12 hour shifts. And so there were whole chunks of time where if I worked 12 hours back to back to back, where I would leave early in the morning and she might be sleeping and I wouldn't get back till again when she was sleeping. And so days might pass and I wouldn't really get to interact with her. And I remember really thinking that something has to change. I can't continue working this way. And my partner, so usually in most community pharmacies, you will have two pharmacists who are main, mainly responsible because the pharmacy can't be open if the pharmacist isn't there. And so I remember my partner was also a young woman. And she was unmarried at the time. Now, when I knew that something had to, had to change, one of the things I had asked was to drop down to not necessarily part-time, because it wasn't quite part-time at the time, but to drop down from 40-something hours, 42 hours, I think I was working, to 32 hours a week, so 10 hours. And I had talked to my superiors about it and then my immediate supervisor and everything was fine everything was good and I was allowed to do that and it worked but then I remember right after that happened I got a new there was some sort of you know someone was let go and somebody else came back on so I had a new leader put in place who was over me and he would just not accept certain things. It it took me a while. I didn't really understand what was happening initially. Every time we would have a conversation about performance, previously I'd had great performance reviews, but every time I'd have a a review with him, it would always be negative. It would always be negative. He would always say, you know, this is, you know, you're not quite pulling your weight. And I'd say, why, how, where are you getting that idea from? And he would show me numbers and I'm saying, well, those numbers, they, uh, this is, you know, when I'm here, this is what I'm doing. Obviously I'm not going to have the same numbers as someone who's working 10 extra hours a week. So I want to make sure that you're not, um, judging me based on those things. And he would say, yes, and that's another thing. I think that you are not really giving it your best because, you know, you're not giving us all the time we need. In any event, he was just very negative about it. And I remember really trying to figure it out and and trying to work hard and trying to get a better performance. 
and trying to meet up to his standards. And then my partner, at the time when all of this was happening, she had gotten married and she was pregnant. And so before even she delivered, she decided that she wanted to drop down in hours as well. And it worked out, right? Because we ended up having somebody who wanted to work part-time. And so we went from a team of two to a team of three. And what was interesting, though, was the way it was received by the same individual. He praised her. She is so hardworking. Not only that, she's a great mother and, and all of this other stuff. And it began to, I began to become aware of something. Now, this is a good example of when you cannot necessarily go and ask the question directly, because this was my superior, uh, my supervisor. I don't like the word superior. This was a leader and someone who was in a different position from me, and I couldn't actually directly engage them. But I became aware, oh, he sees me when I do certain things, the exact same things in a certain light, but he sees her who's doing the exact same things in a positive light. Hmm, I wonder why. And so I start to look at some of the other things. And the big difference between both of us, we're both women, both married, both had children at the time. And the big difference between us both was that I was a woman of color and she was not. And this gentleman was not a man of color. And it occurred to me that perhaps he had unconscious bias. At the time, diversity and inclusion, I don't even think there was an office of diversity and inclusion in uh, the company that I worked in. It wasn't a t something we discussed in those days. Unconscious bias training was largely, was very new, if anything. I don't even think it was out there. So I didn't have the words for it. But that was what was happening. I knew within me, oh, this is an issue to do with race. Ah, I see. And it helped me decipher what was my stuff to work on and what was his stuff that I couldn't impact necessarily. Now, the thing about these kinds of experiences, so you might be saying, I can, well, hey, I can really relate to that story. I can really relate to, relate to that story. What do you do? Well, the, that's a topic for another episode. We will talk about that. And if you really want to reach out to me, please do send me a message and let's talk about it. It's one of the things, a lot of the clients that I work on one-on-one -on -one, or when we come to our retreats or when we're doing certain things, we talk about healing we talk about trauma. We talk about letting certain things go and releasing them and how we need to release them. I don't mean letting it go, ignoring it and being passive. No, but there's a way to release this because it's, you know, when you go through these kinds of workplace traumas, when you go through microaggressions, when you deal with, you know, the fact that unconscious bias has you on a, a performance improvement plan, but no one else, when you go through those things, it has an impact on you as a human being. It will certainly have an impact on how you show up. I remember at the time it, it started to make me a bit angry it started to impact certainly my interactions with this individual and 
it has an impact on you. So there is some something that you need to be able to do for you in order for you to deal with these kinds of things that happen in a culture that has been built on inequities and built on brokenness. We are in a broken world. We are in a fallen world. And so you will experience some of these things. But today, I wanted to share that story so that you, as the storyteller, become more empowered. So I've given the story from the perspective of someone who was being negatively impacted by somebody else's internal story. But I want to shift back to you as the storyteller. because. We may have bias within us that causes us to infer certain things. So he had made up a story in his head about my, me and perhaps people who look like me, that perhaps the story was we're lazy. And so no matter what I did, he looked for data to support his story. He created data in his mind to support his story, and he ignored any other data that didn't support the story. That's inference at play. So when we infer things, we can fall into that same trap where we miss critical opportunities because we have inferred certain things. We start to see things that aren't there. The other thing is we can set ourselves up for failure. So let's shift into a practical example that is more personal. How many people and you know you can just raise up your hand privately it's between you and me right now no one can see you right and no judgment how many people have ever fallen to the trap fallen into the trap where you found yourself in a relationship that wasn't really a relationship so for example he texts you every so often maybe once a week and he says hi baby how you doing just thinking of you and you're thinking, oh, I'm in this relationship. Oh, he loves me because that's all he says, right? And because you have told yourself this story, you begin to fill in the gaps. You are, ooh, like Monday he didn't text me, but you know, Monday he was just so busy. He's such a hardworking man. He cares about me so much. He's working for me, even though you haven't seen him in, in days. And he just sends you that touch based text that doesn't even say, your name. It just says, hi, baby, which could literally have been sent out to five different women at one time. No, it doesn't matter. You are in inference. So you are telling yourself those stories. You're ignoring the fact that when you call after seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, he never picks up. In fact, his phone is switched off. You are ignoring the fact that he's never attempted to take you out on the weekend. You are ignoring all of those red flags. And you're not ignoring them because you're stupid. No, you are ignoring them because you are in a state of inference. You are ignoring them because that's what we do. You have told yourself a story. And so you are now ignoring any data that doesn't support it and actually looking for data to fit your story, even if it doesn't really fit. How many of you have ever done that? Mm-hmm. 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 I know. I would venture that all of us in some way have made those types of mistakes. We've also done things like invent data around 
ideas that we want to work you know like you have told yourself this is the great idea this is it it's this is it i know it's going to work and and all the preliminary data shows it's not all the preliminary research shows it's not but you are saying no 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 this is a bomb idea this is great we've got to do it i'm going to throw all this money behind it and then it bombs and then you're shocked but the data told you it would the data told you it would, but no, you were in inference. Or maybe you are really thinking that you have all this influence, right? You have 20,000 followers and oh my gosh, but they don't engage with you. And then you're saying, oh yeah, I'm such an influencer, but not really. And then when you try to actually sell something, it doesn't convert and you're shocked because you made you made an inference. Because I have this many followers, I must be influential. Not necessarily true. So inference stops you from paying attention to important data that you need to pay attention to, to help expand your thinking. It helps you, it stops you from paying attention. It stops you from becoming aware. It stops you from making informed decisions because now you're not just making decisions based on data, you're making decisions based on stories. And so right now I want you to sit down and ask yourself, are there stories that I've told myself that are based on false data that I've put in place because I am in inference? Hmm, is there truth that I need to open my eyes to? In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I often will pray for clarity and courage. I remember praying for a whole year about clarity and courage over a situation that my soul knew was wrong, but I could not, I could not see it because my internal eye, right, my had been colored by a lens of stories. I kept telling myself this story, and. I kept telling myself the story, and so I saw things that weren't there. I did not see things. I ignored things that I needed to look at. And anything that didn't support the story, I ignored everything that supported the story, even if it was the most, you know, a bird flew over my head while I was thinking of this situation, and that bird means something. Uh, no, not necessarily. Could have just been a bird flying. But I have now said, oh, yes, that bird is a sign from the heavens. And therefore, this particular thing that doesn't feel right, this particular thing that doesn't look right, this particular thing that my soul is telling me is wrong. No, this thing is right because I want it to be right. I was telling myself the story. And I remember getting enough my spirit inside of me getting enough space to say, pray. And I would pray and I would pray every night for clarity and courage. Clarity to see what I'm refusing to see and courage to make a decision, no matter how difficult it might be, based on that data. And when I tell you it was so powerful, when I finally had my eyes opened like, you know, they say the scales fell from my eyes and I was able to see things as they were, not as I desire them to be. 
I became empowered. And so this is really important for you to begin to make sure and ask yourself, do that introspective work. Am I telling myself some stories? Am I ignoring data? Am I adding? Am I filling in the gaps? Filling in the blanks? Am I stuck in inference right now? I know. I'm taking up this pause is intentional. <laughs> this pause is intentional for you to let it soak in and for you to be at begin to ask those questions. These questions are so important. I don't want you to just listen to this and say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and not sit down and let these questions go inside of you and begin to stir things up. I want you to let those questions go, do what they're meant to do, challenge you, wake you up, have you looking at your life in a different way. This is why self-discovery, discovery is such a huge part of what I do because I'm not in the business of just dispensing advice that may not fit in people's lives. No, I want you to discover who you are. I want you to see yourself fully so that you can shift from being quote-unquote basic to iconic that knowledge of who you are, that knowledge of your strengths, that knowledge of the areas of opportunity within you, that knowledge of your tendencies. So if you know how oh, I tend to make assumptions, historically I've made a lot of assumptions, I tell myself these stories, then you learn how to begin to catch yourself because you've done some work in self-discovery, some work in self-awareness. It's a pillar of everything that I do. It's the pillar taking the time to really figure out what has been in what has been taught to you what stories you've been told consistently that have caused you to have certain beliefs and those beliefs are actually part of what is holding you back this is the very first module for example in fact it's in the pre-work module before we get into the iconic woman leadership mastermind Right, Because if you're going to be a leader, you have to be own the fullness of your womanhood first, and you have to step into your iconic self. One of the first things that we do in that is we do some self-discovery to uncover some of these things, to uncover the hidden stories so that you become aware. And some of these stories are so deeply hidden so deeply held so you know they're deep it's that's why we call it indoctrination they are deep inside of us that's how we've done it for years and years maybe your mother before you maybe her mother before her and and it's a generational pattern of storytelling but you have to become aware and then you break it you break that that particular pattern you interrupt it and you create a new affirming pattern that takes you to your next level. So it's important not to have stories that are built on assumption, and it's important not to have stories that are built on inference. But let me tell you another kind of story that this is a little trickier because this is a story that will be based on truth. But it's a story that we have to use with wisdom. And these are stories that come out of our history. 
especially if you have a history that has been fraught with oppression. So one of the things for me growing up in this country, in this season, as an African-American woman, is an acute awareness of injustice. It has come to the point where it is so common now to hear stories of people of color being killed for nothing at all. It has become so commonplace that I have to be mindful about what I take in. I have to guard my heart with all diligence because from it flow all the issues of my life. And so I have to be careful about how I consume information so that it does not poison me. Does it mean it's not true? No. Does it mean we should ignore it? No. Does it mean that those names, those people who have passed on from this earth that has their, have had their possibilities snatched from them violently, does it mean that their names do not deserve to be mentioned in reverence? No. Does it mean we blindly forgive and, and create a nice little packaged box and say, that says, I'm forgiving? without giving full expression to our pain. No, not at all. Doesn't mean that. Even if you're talking about your own personal pain and not our collective pain as people living in a broken world, a world that's built, built on different inequities, whether it's race in this side of the world and gender or gender mostly in places like Nigeria where I, I have the opportunity to go to from time to time and, and connect to as a person who is of Nigerian descent, we have gender issues. So we have a collective story, collective history that we, we have to remind ourselves so we don't forget where we came from and we don't forget what people have gone through. And for many of these situations, it's not a history we're talking about. It seems to be something that is an active present. So we have to deal with it because it's happening right now. When you also talk about your personal stories, personal stories of pain, personal stories of oppression. So for example, if you came out of a domestic violence situation or you were victimized in some way, those stories are true too. Those stories matter and one should never be silenced. Your pain is valid. I want to make sure we understand that. But here's the thing. It's very difficult to move forward if we live our whole lives looking in a rear view mirror. So I'm someone that whenever there's an opportunity to hear from and visit the past, I will. For example, I recently attended a brilliant adaptation of Between the World and Me, which was brilliant but hard and and deeply, ooh, because it's, Coates' work is so moving and so incisive, the way he speaks about race relations, the way he speaks about black bodies, I sat in that audience and every part of me 
was tingling at some point and I was wrapping myself within myself because I was experiencing things through the words that the brilliant collaborators were reciting when Lynn Whitfield spoke and Pauletta Washington and Ladisi and even T.I. spoke about the pain, spoke about the fear, spoke about the oppression. I could feel it. Our collective pain was palpable. So I'm someone who will watch who will go, who will attend, who will read. I'm not afraid to look at our history in the eye. I'm not afraid to look at the painful parts of where we all come from. I'm not afraid to look. We must be willing to look at our pain, but we can also look at our pain without building a shrine to it. And this is important, whether you're talking about collective pain or you're talking about individual pain. It is important not to get locked there. There are people who have become so defined by their stories of pain, and they've become defined by their survivorhood. You are a survivor if you came out of domestic violence or sexual violence of any kind or, or anything like that. Of course you are a survivor, and that is to be honored, but you are more than that. That is not your only definition. Perhaps you've moved from becoming a survivor to an advocate. Perhaps because of your pain, you have gathered yourself and discovered your purpose. So I do not want to negate anything for anyone, but I also want to celebrate the other truths for you. Because sometimes when you get stuck in the story of pain, even hope feels like a betrayal. So it's important that we leave space for the pain in our history, but we keep our eyes forward on the possibilities of our future. Because if we do not, we run the risk of giving all our attention and energy to the things that we don't want to see, which inadvertently creates more of those things. We get paralyzed by pain and fear, and, you know, that scripture that I read before, guard your heart. We don't guard our hearts and we become changed and all of our life is affected. And so that is the third kind of storytelling. To be careful about how we consume this information. And when we do, to consume high quality information, high quality storytelling that comes rich with context so that you can talk about your pain, you can talk about your difficulties, you can talk about the realities. We're not sweeping anything under the carpet, but as you talk about the pain, you also access grace, you also access faith, you also access possibilities so that you can See also, not just where you came from and what you've been through, but you can see also where you're going and what you are moving towards. So you have your vision intact, even as you draw yourself back to see your history. But when that arrow is released, there you are, 
across the air, across the winds, across the space to hit your bullseye, to have soulful success. And so those are the stories that we must be mindful of. I would really love to know how this episode has been for you. And so I really want to ask you to do a few things. One, leave a review. Two, share it. Share this with someone you know. Because storytelling is something we're all doing. So awaken them to the possibility that they're telling themselves the wrong kinds of stories. Awaken them to the possibilities that they've gotten stuck in the story so that they can be free. Share this and subscribe, of course. And if you are ready to move from being basic to iconic, and I don't mean that in any sort of insult, because there's a time for basic, there's a time for the basics, there's a time for the foundations, but there's also a time for elevation. And so if you are ready to move into a season of elevation, into becoming the iconic woman you are called to be, then I want you to go to iconicwomantransformation.com or iconicwomanmastermind.com and fill out the application right now. Because we are enrolling for the January cohort. And right now, we have some incredible early bird specials. This is an investment in the rest of your life. This journey, this sojourn into yourself, this surgeon into your highest form of leadership, this sojourn will take you from where you are to where you want to be, where you can't even imagine that you're going to be. The things you learn in this program, the experiences you take into yourself as part of this program will have you forever changed. You will carry this with you for the rest of your life. You can transfer this knowledge that you're going to get into this program to your children. This is a generational game changer. I know that I'm divinely inspired and divinely ordained to do this work at this particular time. And so if you are listening to this and you're feeling a pull, I want you to honor that pull within you. And do not let fear take root. Make the time for yourself. Invest in yourself. This is your time. This is your season. It is time to let go of whatever has been holding you back and rise into yourself into the eagle that you were born to be and begin to soar. And so I hope to connect with you soon. I hope you will leave a review. I hope you will subscribe. I hope you will share this. And I hope that this has been deeply valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging. You are so valuable to yourself, to the world, and me. So I want to honor that and say thank you and God bless.